Hello, and welcome to Invading the Darkness, stories from the fight against child sex trafficking, featuring Linda Smith, the founder of Shared Hope International. Join Linda as she shares stories from her 23 years of fighting the battle of domestic minor sex trafficking. Our desire is that each episode of Invading the Darkness will help you understand the importance of fighting child sex trafficking, as well as equip you to join in that fight. I didn't choose him. He chose me. Those are the words of Brianna, a 17-year-old girl who was targeted by a group of traffickers. Fortunately for Brianna, she had friends that knew the warning signs of trafficking, but Lacey wasn't so lucky. Hear both of their stories and learn how to protect the children in your life. Let me pause to define more clearly the kinds of child trafficking. Survival sex is still a form of trafficking where a young person finds himself in a situation on the streets where they trade their body for food or shelter. Although a pimp isn't always present, these cases are still defined as trafficking anytime a minor is used for sex in exchange for anything of value. That could include shelter, food, clothing, transportation, protection, even drugs. There is also familial trafficking where a family sells their own young person for commercial sex. In this case, the child is still living at home and attending school with different indicators. It can be hard to identify. Some pimps use violence to gain control of their victims. These cases may include abduction, forced drug use, and threats against family members. These types of pimps are referred to on the streets as guerrilla pimps. Then there's gang trafficking, which is different than any other forms of trafficking in that the gang becomes your family and you belong to them. But your contribution to the gang's income comes from selling your body for sex. But the one that's most common in America is based on a fraudulent relationship that appears to be a boyfriend but has ulterior motives. This short video you're about to hear is about two girls, two pretty ordinary girls, that met traffickers in different ways. The traffickers chose them. And about an extraordinary member of law enforcement and a community that came together to rescue these two girls. You'll learn a lot from their voices, and I think it will help you as you learn to be proactive in your community to fighting this horrible crime of trafficking. So, Brianna, how old are you? I think the most common way we've seen these traffickers or pimps get involved in these girls' lives is they pretend to be an older boyfriend. And really, you know, again, we're talking about young girls that could be 12, 13, 14 years old, and perhaps they've never had a boyfriend. So to have this older male come into their life who's pretty charming, 
who's pretty charismatic and suddenly paying attention to them like they've never had it before, offering to buy them things, offering to take them to dinner, to movies, have their hair done, their nails done, a tanning salon. This connection's made and these young girls actually fall in love with these guys and believe that this guy loves them back. And then one day he asks for something and even though she doesn't want to do it, she's so worried about losing him that she will and once he's had her do it once, he pretty much can control her from then on through shame, through drugs, through threats about family, or physical beatings. But the reality is it can be any girl. And we've learned that through experience, unfortunately, that girls from good homes, girls that have good grades, do all the right things, can still be exposed to this. Uh, the 17-year-old girl that I'm familiar with, her name is Brianna. And Brianna comes from a small town, was an A student, an athlete, volunteered in her community, was a cheerleader, and uh, attended college uh, while going to high school. And she came into my life through um, a phone call I received on a Saturday night. My name's Brianna, and I didn't know about sex trafficking until I was in the middle of it. I'm sure you're like me where you think that sex trafficking wouldn't affect your life, but I'll tell you my story. I was from a small town and just really enjoyed being a part of the community. When I was in high school, I actually took college courses because I knew that I wanted to be a nurse. I was really excited about getting my education started and I knew that I could really focus myself while I was in high school to get those A's I needed in college. I was waitressing and just doing a good job. I was always really friendly and would have conversations with my customers. What I didn't realize was that one of my customers, he was gathering information about me through our innocent conversations, where I was going to school, what my family was like, you know, what I wanted to be. He was, um, he was gathering information about me to eventually use it against me. Um, I was just at work one evening and some guys came in and they were really cool. One, his name was Nick and he was like 24. He played football at, at um, a university. He was tall and blonde and he was super funny. We were just like laughing the entire time that he was having his meal. Um, he told me that he was from Seattle, which I thought was just a coincidence. And I told him that, you know, wow, I want to live, I want to move there. And we were just flirting the whole time and he was telling me how beautiful I am and making me feel good about myself. Um, at the end of the conversation with Nick, he gave me his phone number and we talked for quite a bit of time. That was the choice that I made to call him that night and that choice changed my life forever. I made a choice that night, but I found out that they actually had chosen me. When I decided to go up and hang out with Nick in Seattle, I couldn't tell my parents because they wouldn't let me. So since he was 
older, I had to make a lie to get around my parents. So I told, I told them that I was going to hang out with my girlfriend for the day. When I got to Seattle, I pulled up to a gorgeous house. It was Victorian style and it had a lake view. I was blown away. I didn't realize that when I was meeting his friends, they were actually shopping me. And they were seeing if they wanted to buy me or if they knew somebody that might want to buy me. Um, so I didn't realize that his friends were, were traffickers too. And he was so smooth and, and came off so sincere and genuine. Um, when I asked him, how, how am I gonna get a job? You know, what am I gonna do? He said, you know, you could waitress, you're good at that. I saw you waitressing, you're good at that. But how much do you usually make in a night? And I told him that I usually make about $85. He told me to put a zero on that 85, and that's how much I could bring in a night with the job that he knew of. I asked him what kind of job makes that much money, and he said dancing. He told me that his ex-girlfriend was a dancer and that it was really easy and that, um, that I could probably do it. And for a minute, I considered dancing. I was thinking, hmm, well, probably isn't that bad. And then he said, okay, let's go to the strip club. I felt like if I didn't go to the strip club with him that he would look at me as just a child, as a kid. You know, here I am, I'm 18. I can go into a strip club at this point. And it was kind of like, if you don't, then you're not an adult. That's how I felt. This strip club was just really loud and dark. It was gross and it smelled. It didn't feel very comfortable and, you know, it's like everything has this like sticky look to it. You don't really want to touch anything because everything's got germs on it. I felt kind of gross that I was even in there. I was only in the club for two nights dancing, but in that time frame, a lot of guys wanted to take me home. And one guy, he offered me $1,000 for an hour and I couldn't believe it. So me and Nick talked about going to Arizona and we both decided that I needed to return my dad's car. And so we were gonna do it the next day. On my way to return my dad's car, I was calling friends to help me move out and get the car returned and then get me back up to Seattle. So the only friend that offered to help was my ex-boyfriend and his name was Evan. I was surprised that he was gonna help but we just kept a really close relationship. We were good friends still so. Um, when Evan agreed to help, I was relieved. And um, when I got to his house though, he, he was asking me so many questions. Evan was so concerned about where did they get all this money 
and why aren't they working? He was asking just these questions and it, I was starting to realize that he didn't really want to help me. And then I realized that he was trying to talk me out of going to Arizona and moving out. And so I, I wanted to go, I wanted to leave. So on my way of walking out of Evan's door, he, um, his parents were there. I felt like Evan betrayed me because he called his parents and my parents to try to help convince me not to go to Arizona and not to move out. And, you know, here I am, given all these opportunities to go to school in Seattle. I felt like it was a dream come true. I was going to Arizona for winter break, and they all didn't see it. I felt like my family and Evan, they wanted to keep me just in this little bubble and that I'm just a child and I don't really know what I'm doing. So I was upset. I was really mad at Evan. I felt like he completely was ruining our friendship. He had lost my trust. And a woman walked into the room and introduced herself. Her name was Linda Smith and she was a specialist in getting girls to recognize and flee from human trafficking. After a long conversation with Linda, I started realizing that and, and I started realizing and recognizing that I was being groomed for trafficking, that I was in the middle of the process, and that it was almost too late. I thought Nick was the good guy and Evan was the bad guy. He was selling me out like a snitch. But now I realize he saved my life. Nick was grooming me to be trafficked. I started getting angry and upset. Linda, from all the stories that she was telling me, she told me one about a 13-year-old girl who was tricked on the night of her birthday. I go to school Monday through Friday, like never wanted to miss school. I love school, I love being around my friends and my science class is like my big thing. And we were walking down the street, coming back from the little corner store, and there was these white guys out there like saying, yeah, there's a party, you guys should really come, and you guys would have fun. We were like, okay, well, we're going into eighth grade, we might as well get our first party out, you know, like, let's just go have fun. There's just like a quiet neighborhood. And so we were like, you know, it's cool. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? So we were like, yeah, this is, this is harmless. It's like one of those ones you see in a movie. Like, it, it was fun. And I was sitting on the couch just listening to music. My friends were off dancing and stuff, and some really cute guy comes up and starts talking to me, and I'm like, you know, just like sitting there, like, he was like really persistent on like talking to me and trying to get to know me. He was like 20, 23 or something, or something like that. I was at Starbucks ordering a drink, and he had said, you know, hey, do you remember me? And I was like, nope, sorry, nope, don't remember you. And he's like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I remember you. You know, I was like, okay, whatever. So I gave him my number, and we talked for a little bit. 
and hang out and we'd go to like movies and malls, trips and stuff like that and it was pretty cool. Like I never had like a boyfriend before so it was like cool. Like he bought me a dress and it was like just like really special to me. It was like I felt like I was like a princess, <laughs> like the queen or something. And he used to call me his queen. You know, I started thinking, you know, he really did like me and listening to all the dreams he was like trying to sell. He wants to marry me and stuff like that. And he can't wait for us to move in together and have a life. He kept saying that he needed money and he was going to lose his cars and his house and stuff and he's not going to have anywhere to go. So I was like, you know, I'll help you or whatever. And so we went to the strip club. And like, it was just like super uncomfortable. So I went out the room and he started yelling at me. Like, and I was like, I'm not doing that. I want to go home. And he wouldn't let me go home until my shift was over. I was 13 when I started in the strip clubs. I signed up for track. And during track, like, I just kind of not go, and I go spend time with him or whatever. And then I started going to strip clubs for him. And what I do is I um, would go to school on the bus, and then right when I got off the bus, I kind of just leave and go meet him down the street or something. And then just as the buses were pulling up, I'd be back on the bus. So it was like I went to school and I'd leave for like weekends saying I'm at my friend's house. And like whenever my mom would call on my friend's phone, we just three way call it. So it sounded like we were together because, you know, my friends would cover for me. When I was doing the first part of my ninth grade year, um, I had this friend, Jordan. And I was on the phone with him, and he was like cussing me out and saying, you know, I, like, he doesn't know why I even bother with school. I'm not going to be anything because that's who I am. And, like, I hung up the phone, and I like, kind of dropped a couple of tears. And that night, my first night, I got in the car with three people. Like, I don't know, I puked for about 30 minutes. Most of like, my trips and stuff were like, kind of old. They're like in their 40s and 50s, maybe older. I was, scared. I was nervous. I didn't want to do it, but I couldn't come back without any money. He's kind of um, a very physical kind of person. He, um, like, you mess up on something, he'll slap you, or, you know, depending on what you did, he'll, like, choke you out. They were threatening to go get her 10-year-old sister. They were threatening to go beat up her family. And they had taken video of Lacey being raped the first night and threatened that they were gonna use video of her having sex with other men to show to her youth group and to show to her school. She wouldn't have felt like she belonged anywhere. She didn't feel like she belonged with her pimp, but she wasn't safe going home. I just didn't know about trafficking and that there were older men preying on teenagers to bring them to a market, to sell them. Traffickers go anywhere that there's a large group of girls 
or that girls frequent, like the mall or Starbucks. They'll go to arcades, anywhere that teenagers like to hang out at, parks, restaurants. Signs that you can watch out for for your friends would be small tattoos or tattoo of a name. Maybe your friend has an older boyfriend that she's trying to keep a secret or she has new clothes that are really expensive, like a $300 purse or a really nice jacket. If your friend asks you to cover for her, don't do it. You're not doing her a favor. You could be helping her destroy her own life. And just like her, you don't know that what she's doing is so dangerous, but you'll never see her again. So what can we do to fight sex trafficking? I think the most important thing that we can do is get the word out. The only way to protect girls from sex trafficking is to be educated on what sex trafficking looks like. If you can't recognize the signs, you're not going to save your friend. I think Evan was a true defender of Brianna. You know, he took a chance. He stepped out. He told the truth. He told what was going on with her. He violated her trust in the interest of protecting her. And I think that's a good lesson for us. Had he not done that, we might not have Brianna here with us today. I think what's important to understand is that these pimps have studied, preyed upon, stalked these girls. They do know where they live. They do know about their family. And when they threaten these girls, these girls don't feel safe. They don't feel that they have the ability to return home. And that was one of the questions we used to struggle with is, if this girl was doing something she didn't want to do, why wouldn't she just leave? And the fact is they can't see their way out of it. They, they don't see a safe way out of it. I would want to make sure that you understand where these guys are at. They're at your malls. They're at your stores. They're at places where kids congregate. Really, probably the biggest key is these older boyfriends. You heard Brianna talking about it. An older, mid-20s male has no business uh, being around 13, 14-year-old girls, or even up to 18-year-old girls. So protect your friends. When we look back at Lacey's friends who really could have intervened at different points in her life and didn't, She's never seen those friends again. So the fact they thought maybe they were protecting her at the time really never helped her. And they've never been around in her life since. You might be saying, oh, I want a copy of that. But I would encourage you to use Chosen. It's a great tool you can use in your schools, your rotary, with your family and friends, and to protect the youth in your community in other ways. But I'll give that to you today, and you can just click on the link in the podcast description to download the chosen video and get started. Thank you for listening to Invading the Darkness, stories from the fight against child sex trafficking. If you would like to learn how you can help put an end to child sex trafficking, please visit sharedhope.org slash takeaction. New episodes of Invading the Darkness are released every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating as well as a written review. Federal law dictates that any minor sold for sex is considered a victim of trafficking, but not every state applies that law equally. 
In episode three, Linda tells you more about Zephy, a victim you've heard a little about in past episodes. She also shares how each state in our country needs strong, consistent laws that protect our children.